Before we begin our worship together, I wanted to make this announcement. Next week is actually going to be the start of our online vacation Bible school. That's going to be from Sunday to Wednesday. That'll be July the 12th through the 15th. And what this will feature is, one thing is, a daily video. So every single day you can check on either wherever you found this video or the website link at the bottom, and you'll be able to watch that video and participate in it. This Vacation Bible School is geared toward us working together as a family to be able to all grow uh, stronger and closer to God. The theme is brick building with Jesus. And what that has to do with is the, those little toy bricks that uh, just about every kid likes to play with. There's a lot that we can learn about those and apply them to uh, our everyday lives and the church as a whole. Um, if you want to find a supply list, you can go to the website that's on the bottom of this page here and you can be able to find out a supply list that'll be up there and then you can maybe get a few things. Most of them you will likely have laying around your house already. But if not, you know, you might want to pick up a few things just to help with the Vacation Bible School experience. So I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you are as well. And now let's join in song together. Abundant life, Christ left the light, the light of heaven, so darkness could be forgiven. Servant to be himself did he. Grants to us, to us, past measure to his incorruptible treasure, grace to set free, bequeathing me his purity, so that I might live abundantly. Abundant life, Christ pleads for us. In dark temptations, and saves us from condemnation. Rescued at sea, hope in that story. Saved so that I might live eternally. The Son of God, Son of Man, and you. The lesson text for this video is going to be John chapter 5. But before we get into John chapter 5, I want to read a passage from the book of Daniel. In Daniel the prophet, 
Chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Daniel 7, 13 and 14. We read this from Daniel's experience. He says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. That's what Daniel sees. He uses this statement about the Son of Man. And it's not by accident that Jesus, whenever he talks about himself, he says that he is the Son of Man. And we're going to look at this. We're going to see some of these same images that Daniel, uh, several hundred years before Jesus ever walked this earth, talked about that he was able to see. Well, Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And in John chapter 5, we see that that message was sometimes a difficult message for some of the Jews to understand, but yet it still was true. Let's take a look at that together. So John chapter 5. First, let's see the passage that kind of indicates Jesus being the Son of God. John chapter 5, verses 16 through 23. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So let's take a look at this passage and let's see together what it is that Jesus himself is saying. And let's also see from this passage why the Jewish leaders of Jesus' day had such a problem with some of the statements that Jesus was making. Well, for starters, we begin in verse 16 with kind of an unfortunate phrase because it just says, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath. What was he doing? Okay, right before this, Jesus has just healed somebody. And by the way, because uh, Jesus has just healed somebody and it talks about doing these things on the Sabbath, it kind of indicates, as the rest of the Gospels tend to show us, Jesus repeatedly was healing people on the Sabbath day. And as we look at that, that's one of the main problems with what Jesus was doing was the fact that he was doing it on a Sabbath day. Now, Jesus's argument is going to center around kind of a few different things, really, mainly two different things that he says that his father is doing, because he says that his father is always working. But isn't that interesting that he would say his father is always working? Because if you look at the days of creation and, and the whole purpose behind the Sabbath day was because the father, you know, God the father, he stopped his work. So if God stopped his work and if he rested, then why is Jesus here making the statement that the Father is always working to this very day, so I too am working? He says that in verse 17. Why would he say that? Well, this is why he would say that. Every single Sabbath, it was recognized, and it's really kind of just makes sense. It's some of the logical things that happens. Every single Sabbath day, you know, life carries on. You know, it continues on. 
And because life carries on and it continues on, God himself has to be active in the world because without God, life is impossible. So God does give life to us all every single Sabbath day, so to speak. But then also sometimes people might die on the Sabbath day. And whenever that happens, you know, part of the things that uh, was, was thinking about after you died, then, you know, you would be judged and, and there is some type of work then involved in that. And God is involved in that work. And, and I know, you know, as we look at that, I, I'm not trying to make a, a case for, you know, what all happens in God's involvement in life and death, but just recognize that God is involved in both of those aspects uh, about our lives. And both of those things happen on a Sabbath day. Sometimes people just continue to live. Sometimes people don't continue to live. All of that has to do with God working on those days. In order for us to live every single day, every single breath that we are given is a gift from God. And it's something that God is actively doing. He's involved in his creation. So these two things that we kind of see that God is involved in on the Sabbath, one of them is life, to, to give life. And then another one is judgment, something to do with, you know, after we die, there is some type of a judgment. Both of those two things show up repeatedly in these scriptures. And maybe you kind of already noticed that that uh, Jesus keeps talking about giving life or giving eternal life. And then also there's something about judgment that's going on here. So let's see some of these statements in verse 18. The Jewish people, what they recognize Jesus is saying is that he was calling God his own father, and that he was making himself equal with God. Now, oftentimes as we think about that, you know, we, we start to look at that and we say, okay, so since he says that God is his father, I mean, God is also our father, isn't he? Yes, he is. But the statements that Jesus is making is the fact that, well, because God is working on the Sabbath, continuing life or some type of judgment on the Sabbath, Jesus is doing the same types of things. Now, when you start making claims like that, you're going beyond the fact that we are all children of God. We are all children of God. The Jewish people recognize that just like Christian people today recognize we are sons and daughters of God. We understand that. That's not the same thing of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is making out the statement that the very things that God does are the very things that he is doing. He is God in the flesh. Now that type of statement, that upsets people as you could imagine. And it did upset the Jewish people right here. They had a problem because he was breaking the Sabbath. They had a problem because he was calling God his own father, which really was the same thing as making himself equal with God. But Jesus doesn't back down and say, oh no, you know, you're, mis you're misunderstanding what I'm saying, because they weren't. They were understanding what he was saying, sometimes even better than what we are. Because we look at this and we're like, how is that the same thing as being equal with God? They recognized it. And they recognized it because of those claims of what Jesus was saying and the words that Jesus was using here. Because one of the things that he says, like in verse 19, is that whatever the father does, the son also does. It's the same type of thing that he is saying. He is carrying on the work of God in the world during that time. In verse 21, he talks about this life that the father gives on the Sabbath even. In verse 21, for just as the father raises the dead and gives them life. Even so, the son gives life to whom he, pleased, he is pleased to give it to. So here in this verse, he talks about how the father is giving life. There goes that one thing. If your life is sustained on the Sabbath day, God is working because God is giving you that life. The same thing is true of the son. The son of God, Jesus himself, is still giving life. In verse 22, 
we find out now the statement about judgment is brought up. But Jesus does something different about this judgment because the Jewish people would have typically thought that God is the one who's doing the judgment. Because, I mean, that's who typically does the judgment, like in the Old Testament and all. We typically think of God doing, you know, God the Father doing the judgment. But what Jesus tells us is that the judgment has been entrusted to the Son. Now, I don't know if I can exactly tell you when that happened, but I think that here in this passage, and remember what Daniel says, uh, we can see this idea that judgment has been given to Jesus Christ. And this judgment that was given to the Son. It's an important part of what God is doing. Now, I want to read to you again this passage from Daniel because I want you to notice what's going on. Because he says in, uh, I'll look at these two different verses here. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, first. That verse, it says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. When you look at the context of this passage, you find out that the Ancient of Days is God the Father. This Ancient of Days is sitting on his throne, so to speak, and then all of a sudden this Son of Man figure shows up. And this Son of Man figure is led into his presence. And we find out that even more than that, and Jesus himself calls himself the Son of Man, and we're going to look at that too. But here in verse 14 of Daniel 7, talking about this uh, Son of Man, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is talking about Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his authority and his power that he's been given by the Father. We see that judgment was given to the Son, but also all this power, all this authority, uh, all this glory, all this might. There's so many things that were given to this Son of Man, that were given to Jesus Christ. And he's talking about this judgment. And this judgment passage is what's going to be picked up on even more. And this judgment deals with, you know, being in the presence of God and having all these different nations coming to him, like with the Son of Man figure from Daniel 7 appears to be doing there in that passage. Jesus is saying he is the Son of Man. He has come to do these great things here on the earth. So let's take a look at this Son of Man uh, passage now from John 5. John 5, now verses 24 through 27, we see specifically this language about Son of Man. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. We see once again this passage about this judgment, this Son of Man, all of this being related. And this goes back to Daniel 7, but it also goes beyond Daniel 7. We see all of these actions that Jesus is doing. We see this close connection, this close interaction between the Father and the Son that Jesus brought up in the passage right before that we just read. And then also in this passage right here, we see this connection. We see in verse 24 that he is talking about whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Isn't that so great? Such wonderful uh, of a promise and just a wonderful blessing just to be able to 
to understand that and to receive that, to recognize that if we hear the word of Jesus and if we believe in him and in the one who sent him, we can have eternal life. What does that hearing and what does that belief look like? It means acting on it. You know, it means internalizing this message. And we find out that whenever we do that, whenever we accept this gospel message about Jesus, then what's stated is that we will not be judged, but we've crossed over from death to life. Judgment is a very interesting thing. And depending on which, which uh, writer in the New Testament you read talking about judgment, they kind of talk about it in different ways. That doesn't mean they're saying different things. It just means they have different ways of looking at it and, and pointing out different aspects of judgment. Judgment alone is a really, really, really big topic. So the fact that I might talk about judgment in, in one way at one time and then talk about judgment in another way at another time, that doesn't mean I'm talking about two different types of judgment or two different things. It just means judgment's a big topic. There's a lot to cover. And right here, what we do see is when we are a Christian, when we've accepted this message, we're not going to be judged in the sense of we're not going to be condemned. We don't have things to worry about because we've crossed over from death to life. We have been given new life. We've been given this great blessing. I mean, isn't that after all kind of that symbol that's used with baptism, that whenever uh, we are buried with him in baptism, then we're also raised to walk in a newness of life? I mean, isn't this language about crossing over from death to life used repeatedly about the Christian walk? Well, here we see it stated again and how we can come from death to life to be able to have this eternal life even. That's a wonderful statement. It's a wonderful promise. And we find out in verse 26 that how this can happen is because the Father has life in himself, but even more than that, the Son has, been, uh, has life in himself, and he also gives life. And that's why the Son is able to be able to have this authority to judge because he is the son of man. He is that character from Daniel 7 who appears just like a man because he was a man. Jesus is the only being that has ever lived who is both God and he is also man. But yet we see that character from Daniel 7, that son of man who he ascends and is with the father. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus is the son of man. He is able to judge. But now that we've looked a little bit about the Son of God and the Son of Man, both of those phrases being connected with Jesus Christ, which, by the way, we see both of them talked about here on the screen. Look at verse 25, you see the phrase Son of God. Look at verse 27, you see the phrase Son of Man. Both of them are talking about Jesus. But now that we've seen the Son of God, the Son of Man, what about you? What about me? Where do we fit into this? Let's keep reading. John chapter 5, verses 28 through 30. Jesus is still speaking, and he says, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So where do you fit into this? Where do I fit into this? Look at verse 28 again. We see that it says, all who are in their graves will hear his voice. You know what that means? That means everybody who's ever died, who is ever in their grave. That means if somebody were to die today, 
they're going to be part of that group of all who are in the graves. If somebody died way back in the Old Testament times, guess what? They're still part of that group of all who are in their graves. Whenever they hear their voice, there is going to be a time whenever they are raised from the dead. It's not going to be the same moment for everybody, though. Verse 29 tells us that there's two different types of being raised from the dead. One type is that we will rise to live. And that's the promise that we have for those who are faithful to God. For those of us who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus Christ, we have this promise to be able to rise and live. But that's not the only type of resurrection that's going to happen on that day. Verse 29 also says, those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. They will rise to be judged. Here we see again this, this two-part thing that has been so many times in, this in these passages about life and judgment and this balance between the two and also this connection between life and judgment. And right here we find out that whenever we are all going to be raised up from the dead, both the righteous and the unrighteous, but the righteous and those who are faithful are going to rise to live. The unrighteous are going to rise to be condemned. And whenever you keep looking at this passage, we find out about our focus, what we need to be. Of course, we need to be part of that group that's going to rise to live. That's that part that's going to have eternal life. And we can have that hope. We can have that wonderful promise that we can be counted among that number because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. We find out that everything that Jesus did, this last phrase points to, to what he was always pointing toward. In verse 30, it says, Jesus is speaking. He says, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Shouldn't that be our task as well? That that's how we become part of that group who will rise to live is whenever we seek not to please ourselves, but the one who has sent us, the one who has created us, the one who sustains us, who gives us life every single day. And in, in the future, he will give us eternal life. That's the one that we should seek to please. Does that describe you today? If it doesn't, why not start making that be a description of your life from here on out? That's what Jesus did. That's what we should do as well. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Father before your throne I kneel in prayer. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, before your throne I kneel in prayer. Because I've been baptized by the blood of the Lamb, and I'm working my salvation out. Me of sin, 
Because I've been baptized by the blood of the Lamb, and I'm working my salvation out. I've been purchased with the price I cannot repay. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. 